coming up next is an encore presentation of Manta Mitchell. Unfortunately, today our guest Becky Rep wasn't able to make it. She is feeling a little bit under the weather. So Gary and Suzanne decided to dig up an encore. And a good thing, we actually interviewed Becky back in October of 2013. So we'll bring to you that wonderful interview coming up next from Manson Mitchell. Once again, it is Friday, TGIF, baby. This is the start of your weekend, whether you know it or not. And if one of, if you're one of those folks that works during the weekend, well, at least let us throw an hour of fun your way, conversationally speaking. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And we are two-thirds of the composite known as the A-Team of Alternative Talk, the third and indispensable element being, and back from a well-earned vacation, I might add, bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how you doing? Wow, it's an honor and a privilege to be on the table of uh, elements now, officially, the scientific uh, periodic table of elements. I should say I should be like BN, right? Is there a BN already taken? I don't think so. That, that's what I was thinking. It might be. Well, you know what? I, I think <laughs> BN would work better than if we just use your initials. Yeah, there we go. I don't like that one either. BM, not so appropriate, I think. <laughs> and, we, and by the way, Suzanne, what we need to, to shout out here before I forget. Our buddy, our new friend, Taylor, did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he came off the bench for, for Benny the last couple of weeks. We had an alternative, alternative player. <laughs> That's right. And uh, well done in Benny's stead. But there's only one Benny Mathers, and uh, that resourceful gentleman joins us once again in the studio. Is the weather looking pretty good out there? We're fogged in, kid. We're fogged in. It's like Boston over here. It's ah. uh, thick as, you know, clam chowder. Oh, really? Oh, that's, okay. we're, we're meeting some people from Boston tomorrow night, Benny. Yep. Well, we are, we're, called the Bruins. Oh. We're going to a hockey game. Hey, enjoy. I haven't been to a hockey game since the early 1980s. It was a playoff game. The Los Angeles Kings staged a miraculous comeback against the Edmonton Oilers, and I actually got to see Wayne Gretzky, Gretzky. play yeah. and, and score a goal. All right. And the way he did it. All I can say is that he took all the air out of the fabulous forum, as the arena was known at the time. That's where the Kings used to play, and the Lakers as well. Wayne Gretzky scored a goal in a way that seemed to defy physics. And everybody in that huge arena just went, oh, like that couldn't have just happened. And yet we were there to witness it. So all these years later, we're going to go see the Tampa Bay Lightning since we live in Sarasota and they're up the road. We're going to see the Tampa Bay Lightning play the Boston Bruins tomorrow night with a group of friends from church. Should be a good time. Yeah, a mini road trip, as it were. A mini road trip. And if we're going to talk road trip, we got to talk with the queen of the road trip. And that would be our good friend, Becky Rep, who is publisher of American Road Magazine. And she is co-owner of Mock Turtle Press, which is an imprint for travel-related books that aren't exactly like coffee table books, though there may be some included. But these are books for people with that spirit of romance and adventure on the open road. People who don't do everything by the Eisenhower Interstate Memorial Highway, who want to get on the uh, lesser-known highways and byways, and certainly the more historic ones, like Route 66, chief among them. And there is a plethora of books available under the imprint of Mock Turtle Press that will take you there, even if you can't get there physically or if you plan to get there someday. So this is our treat. We haven't talked to her in a while. Why don't we bring her on air, Suzanne? Welcome, Becky Rep. How are you today, Becky? 
I am great, and wow, I am flattered to be dubbed the queen <laughs> of road trips. You wow, are. that is an honor. <laughs> we have our bumper Thank music you. when we come back from, well, you're welcome, and it's much deserved. One of these times, and I forgot this time, we have bumper music when we come back, but, you know, there's there's the old uh, Roger Miller classic from 1964, I believe. It was King of the Road, and I think that you and your husband, Thomas Arthur Rep, actually kind of embody the spirit of that, this free and easy embrace of the open road and the open-ended adventure that life can bring when you just get out there in your car to go see what can be seen. Well, yeah, we thank you. We uh, we sure try to live up to, to that. Um, we, we put uh, over... 3,000 miles um, on our van on the last road trip, so we're, we're trying to do it justice. <laughs> we took a long road trip this summer, too, Becky. We went 3,600 miles from Sarasota, Florida, up to Niagara Falls and crossed um, a bit of Ontario, Canada, into Windsor in the Michigan area and Detroit area, over to Chicago, back down through Memphis and Tupelo and Birmingham and back to Florida. So we've also had a major road trip this year. And I have been a regular reader of American Road Magazine for as many years as you've been coming on our show. And the other thing that I wanted to say today is that you've really educated me in a way that I never got in school about the American highway system. And I said to Gary, there's some basic information that I think I would like to get out today that we haven't gotten out before. And that was to just ask you, because American Road is about America's highways and byways, to talk a little bit about the beginnings of the American highway system not the interstate system, but the highway system. If you could just lay a little groundwork before we get into some particulars. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Yeah, before 1926, roads had names and not numbers. Um, You'll recall that you probably read in the magazine about the Lincoln Highway and the Yellowstone Trail and the National Road. Those um, are examples of early auto trails that started um, often by communities wanting to, um, you know, piece together paths to each other and and to points beyond um, by highway boosters, uh, they were often called. And they often formed associations like the Lincoln Highway Association and the Yellowstone Trail Association. It was kind of all part of a good roads movement. You know, the the early automobiles uh, came into being in the early 1900s, and, and there were not too many good roads uh, for those highway, or, you know, the early automobiles. Um, horses didn't really need the, the roads. Um, and so prior to the, the car coming around, um, there wasn't much need to have the paved roads. But um, imagine, you know, having an automobile and driving through the mud and getting, getting stuck in the mud every day. Not, not a lot of fun. So that, that's kind of what started this good, good roads movement. Um, and 
and like I said, in 1926, um, the numbering system uh, came into being um, because, you know, imagine having all of these named auto trails, Yellowstone Trail and the Lincoln Highway, like said, National Road, Wonderland Way, Woodpecker Route, you know, some of these, they have great names, the, the uh, um, National Park to Park Highway, um, but they had um, pole markers is what they were called, and they were often, you know, different symbols or different colors um, and an initial or some sort of marker designation, and they were, were painted on markers or sides of buildings or rocks, whatever, you know, was uh, available there. Uh, and you could imagine coming to a intersection when you have five different pole markers there and trying to figure out which way to go. So Did- it, the numbering system came into being. And actually the state of Wisconsin was, um, they kind of initiated the numbering system and the Federal Highway Administration followed their uh, kind of concept. I had never heard that before. I, I told you, Becky is an excellent teacher. A repository, I, a learning, reservoir. I, I am learning about the highway system. Let me ask you this. As far as you know from from uh, your information, did a lot of those highways actually uh, go on top of old horse trails? If, if somebody got in their buggy and took their, their team of horses west and they were traveling from the East Coast, did those highways actually develop along already uh, horse trails or or were the highways actually carved out of new land well some of both you know the, the um you you the highways were gonna first kind of follow the paths of least resistance um well you know the Natchez trace is a highway and that kind of you know that i mean you've got uh native american history along that that path, um, you know, it's been a, a path for centuries. So, um, yeah, the roads would often, like I said, take the path of least resistance. And if you've got the uh, a path, a horse trail or whatnot there already, sure, they were going to follow those um, paths. And, you know, you, you um, especially in the West, you can often follow the early auto trails and you can tell when there's an early auto trail when you see a railroad um, and the the road going right next to the railroad that's usually where the the road kind of followed the the railroads because that the railroads were were choosing the paths of least resistance and and now this was my thinking today when I was discussing our our interview coming up uh, with Gary this morning is that uh, the way I have it kind of figured out in my mind, and you can tell me if I'm right or if I don't have it quite right, but it seems like you you had a numbered highway system, you had all of these named trails that now took on numbers, and then along comes the 1950s, 60s, when the interstate is now laid out. And so now you have interstates connecting all the states, super highways, lots of concrete, um, you know, and in what how I think about it is 
that they are actually two completely different systems, that our mode of transportation went from the connecting highways and byways throughout North America to a completely different system, which is the interstate system, which is what most people travel now. Is is that about how you would say you just have two, one kind of laid on top of the other, but they don't match? I don't know if I would say that they don't match, because if you actually, you know, following a lot of the interstates today, you'll actually crisscross a lot of the, you know, the U.S. highways. So um, it's kind of the same theory, uh, you know, the, the U.S. highways, we're taking the paths of least resistance, right, following the the early horse trails and the railroads and such. And the interstate systems kind of follow, in many respects, the U.S. highways, um, because the U.S. highways, um, you know, were following their paths of, of least resistance. So if you, for example, want to trace Route 66, you're going to, um, on much of it, um, you're going to be following, you'll, you'll be seeing some of the interstates. And the interstate kind of broke up um, parts of Route 66 because it was crossing, crisscrossing it. So um, I can see your point, but also I think that it, it kind of, you know, followed. Um, it was trying to improve upon what the U.S. highway system had done. Now that is a very interesting thing for us to discuss, Becky, because what you just said has reminded me of how the inability, and maybe really, in all honesty, there was no full intention there on the part of the federal government and the various state governments to superimpose a new highway system on the old so that it could be achieved, that this streamlining of transportation by car, bus, and the trains could not be achieved seamlessly. It could not perfectly align or intersect. And as a result, I can think of instances, even a, an episode of The Twilight Zone, the name of which I forget there, or in movies and various TV shows like I Love Lucy, pop culture back in the 50s reflected the fact that highways were being built that left the byways and their businesses behind. So right. you would find in an episode of a TV show there somebody goes to a diner where nobody goes anymore. They haven't seen anybody in days except maybe one bus that comes through once a week because the highway is putting us out of business. People don't come here anymore. This was a real economic and social dislocation for many Americans when the interstate highway system was built and left Route 66 to die like an old dowager. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. It it made some towns ghost towns. <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, uh, I, Becky, I, Becky um, the, dis yeah. the, the distinction that I was going for, and I, I guess I just want to complete my thought before we go to break, and the distinction that I was not totally clear about was that when the interstate system came in, it was also a very different way of traveling. So now we have this, we had the old system of the numbered highways. 
Now we have the new interstate system, which allows you to get to various points easily, smoothly. You don't have to go through towns. You can just stay on the interstates. You don't have to, to get off of them to get where you're going. But it was a, it's, it's almost like a completely different way of living because in the old highways and byways system, you did go from town to town. You did see sites along the way. You saw interesting diners. You had interesting motels. There were sightseeing things that were trying to attract people in to, uh, you know, their shops to buy or their their uh, amusements to see or ride. But that was a, a completely different way of transporting yourself around the United States than after the interstate system came in. And that that's what I was trying to say earlier. Now, does that make sense? Oh, yes. No, that does make sense. You know, Charles Kuralt said now it's possible to travel from one end of the country to the other without seeing anything when the interstate system went into being. So absolutely. And, you know, remember that the interstate system, the primary reason for it being built was um, defense. Our, our military to get them to be able to transport things quickly and, and expeditiously um, from one point to another. So it wasn't necessarily designed for, you know, sightseeing. <laughs> Speed was the, the necessity. And the streamlining, that's right. It, that implies a streamlining of the system. You can get from point A to point B or point Z rather quickly. As a matter of fact, is it not a physical fact now, Becky, that if you leave Seattle on I-90 headed east, you can get all the way to Boston without encountering a red light as long as you stayed on 90 the whole time and get off for gas, which of course you would do. But if you stayed all the way on I-90, isn't it true that there's no longer a red light anywhere? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. I don't think there's any red lights on the interstate there. Nope. So this is a classic example of what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, well, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, it, and it serves a purpose for safety, you know. Um, you're not facing cars coming at you right, you know, five feet away or whatnot without a, a dividing uh, barrier either. So, you know, there's safety reasons for it as well, but... Um, you know the 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 current the, the the U.S. highways, the two-lane highways and byways. Um, there's nothing like them for you know traveling and meeting your neighbors, you know, and seeing um, what this great country is all about. Um, and hence the American Road Magazine, because uh, one of the reasons, and thank you so much for that little bit of a history lesson today in our first segment, because we've never quite done that. And so I said today we want to go back to basics a little bit, because the American Road Magazine is all about the highways and the byways. Get off the interstate and see Americana. See where these places are. See how people live before the interstates came, what those towns are like, and the things there are to do. We have so much more to talk about. 
Let's go ahead and take our first break of this hour and more with Becky Rep. When we come back of American Road Magazine, we're going to talk about spooky places. We're going to talk about all kinds of interesting things. And, of course, Route 66, whereby we get our kicks. Of course. In the meantime, stay with us through this brief break. You're listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to ManceandMitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at Facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Every winter, up to 20 million tons of salt are applied to U.S. roads. Road salt can keep drivers safe. But when too much salt is applied on roads, it can pollute streams, kill fish, and increase salt levels in our drinking water. The good news is we can protect water quality and keep drivers safe. You can help. Join the Isaac Walton League's Winter Salt Watch to receive a free stream test kit. Then, simply dip the test strip in your stream to measure the salt level. Use your smartphone to share your results on the Winter Salt Watch map. If the salt levels in your stream are too high, the Isaac Walton League can share ways other communities are reducing salt usage. Ask for your free test kit today. To get yours, go to saltwatch.org. That's saltwatch.org. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. And stay tuned. Coming up next is an encore presentation of Manson Mitchell. Unfortunately, today our guest Becky Rep wasn't able to make it. She is feeling a little bit under the weather. So Gary and Suzanne decided to dig up an encore. And a good thing, we actually interviewed Becky back in October of 2013. So we'll bring to you the rest of that interview from Manson Mitchell. Thank you, B-52s. We live in Sarasota. They're originally from Atlanta. Some of the same vantage points. Georgia itself, fantastic place to travel through. Ever been to Savannah? I'm happy to say that Suzanne and I have. You want to take a big dip in history, go to Savannah, Georgia, throughout the state. Plenty of it. Unbelievable. We're talking about road tripping and the queen of the road trip. We gave her that designation. She did not claim it for herself, but we are putting it like a crown on her head. And that is Becky Rep. we're talking about, publisher of American Road Magazine, which is a classic of its kind. And they have classic editions as well. Right here in front of me, for example, I'm holding the classic edition from Volume 10, Number 2, 
So in their 10th year, uh, back in their 10th year, American Road published a classic edition. And earlier, Becky was talking about routes that are numbered, like California State Route 1. That would be an example. And, of course, there's Route 66. But in this edition, there's also the Columbia River Highway. That ought to be of interest to anyone within reach of our radio station. KKNW in Seattle, if you want to head south and still be in the northwest, you can take the Columbia River Highway. That's one of those highways, Becky, where there is a name without a number and so much to see. Oh, that was actually the very first highway that was built as a scenic highway. It was built, and and the design of the highway was was built um, to show off, you know, the, the scenic attributes of the of the highway. It's a gorgeous drive. And one that I have not made yet, but I hope that we will get the chance to do that. I would love to do that one summer. But in particular, Becky, one of the things I wanted to take up with you today is the idea that people talk about the summer road trip, and of course they would. That's only natural. But people will also talk many times, if they're in the Northeast, for example, about getting up to the Berkshires, driving through Massachusetts, or they want to go see the Green Mountains in Vermont. There are many, many trips, and I think Route 66 might be counted among them, where you could actually plan an autumnal road trip and not have to worry necessarily or not worry very much about chains on your tires or snow tires in order to have this adventure. Oh, autumn is a wonderful time of year to take a road trip. It's actually our favorite time of year to to hit the hit the highway, um, we've got some. You, you mentioned Vermont. We actually have um, a feature in the current issue that is on the Molly Stark Trail, um, and that goes um, over the Green Mountains on Vermont Route Nine. Um, and you, you're probably familiar with Molly Stark, the the wife of the Revolutionary War General John Stark. It was named at that route was named after her, and then um, we've got um, the Harriet Tubman Underground Railroad Byway. Actually, this this autumn issue, we uh, the theme we picked was ladies, um, and so we're we're highlighting um, all things um, for us women. <laughs> um, Good. Uh, but everyone can appreciate it. But um, we we did the Harriet Tubman Underground Railroad Byway, and it, she was just an incredible uh, person and leader. And then we also did the unsinkable Molly Brown route in uh, between Leadville and Denver, Colorado. And there's some great uh, places to to see on that route. As a matter of fact, it stops on um, the you know the town of South Park that's in the the uh, right. comic, uh, you know, the uh, yes. the cartoon. Um, it, there's a yes. town there called South Park, which is kind of what it was modeled after, and it goes through there. It's uh, it's pretty fun. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to actually go to that place if it's modeled after it. That's a, <laughs> that must be a pretty wacky place. <laughs> Got to get your spirit of adventure there. <laughs> <laughs> One way it's or the other. It's a lot of fun. You will not run into Cartman there, but. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. You know, Becky, I, when you talk about these, and that's one thing, two things to be said here. First of all, I love American Road Magazine, and I encourage people to go to their newsstand and either find a copy or, if they're not carrying it, ask the news 
carrier to put it in the bookstore at the Barnes & Noble or wherever you do your shopping for magazines. You can also, of course, subscribe. American Road Magazine has this thematic quality to it, like Becky just described. There are so many ways and so many angles you can take in looking at the American landscape, particularly from the perspective of those who love the open road, whether they're traveling with a partner or just going out and being with themselves and finding themselves at home spiritually, perhaps. That would be true, Becky, when you're in a lot of -of out-of-the-way places. I'm thinking, for example, Route 66, the classic, the mother road, there, if you're out there, there's going to be patches, and I've never made that trip there. I hope to someday or some leg of it. But it would seem to me that based on, on Suzanne's and my highway traveling, that you have to be able to travel with each other or be thoroughly comfortable with yourself or at least willing to discover some new part of yourself when you can't rely on the radio for a companion because it gets mighty patchy out there. <laughs> That's a very good point, yes. (laughs) You learn a lot about yourself on a road trip, and you learn a lot about your companion if you're traveling with someone on a road trip. So, yeah, Um, and, uh, you know, that, um, too, sometimes you'll hit some patches of of road where uh, not just the radio uh, coverage is sparse, but um, you might have times when... um, there are very few and far between gas stations or or uh, rest areas um, or places to 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 eat. So um, sometimes it's handy to to have a cooler uh, stocked with some of your favorite things because you know we all get a little ornerier when we haven't eaten or <laughs> whatnot. So that kind of helps keep things a little happier too. You know, Becky, you were talking about autumnal road trips and. I can remember from my own youth loving to go up into Wisconsin and Michigan and look at the change of leaves, and even in Illinois where I grew up. But uh, one of the things Gary and I were talking about was where where would people want to travel if they wanted to take a, a spooky ghost trip for uh, Halloween time? Where, where are some of the spooky places that you know about or that you've heard about where people could go and take kind of a, a ghostly tra- um, trip. Well, you mentioned um, Mississippi. You mentioned Tupelo um, before, and that's on the Natchez Trace, and that is um, a very uh, spiritual route um, with some uh, paranormal activity. We did um, uh, we did an article on that. Many moons ago, um, it was our autumn 2005 issue, uh, and um, but you can go um, onto the Natchez Trace website, and we actually have a um, uh, shortened uh, Bitly link um, that we've uh, created a fast link to um, Natchez Trace ghost sites. So if you uh, go to http colon slash slash dld.bz, and then slash, and then capital N for Natchez. So Notch, and then so it's Notch's Trace Ghost, but the N is capital, the T in Trace is capital, and the G in Ghost is capital. And that'll take you to a page that um, has um, some of the uh, mysteries of the Natchez Trace that are there to discover. So that's a really good one. Um, I... 
Gary had mentioned previously that on your road trip this summer, you stopped in West Virginia and you found a marker to a uh, monster, was it, Gary? Oh, Flatwoods, yes, Flatwoods, a little hamlet in Braxton County, West Virginia, yes. That okay, was the scene well, of, a, of a UFO sighting and an alien encounter of some kind that is terrifying to hear about, but it's considered a classic in UFO literature, Flatwoods. Well, that, that you, you reminded me that a while back we did a article on the Mothman in West Virginia, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I don't know if you've ever been, but that, from my travels, that was one of the spookiest experiences that I've had. It just, you know, gives you, you know how the hairs on your back of your neck kind of can stand up sometimes if it's oh, a yes. little. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that, that one was, was it. There's a place called the TNT area, and um, it's, it's a, a place in Point Pleasant that it's um, an all-but-abandoned government compound. Um, it's got a grid of man-made canals and crumbling concrete and ponds that are kind of scummy with algae. And um, it was there on November fifteenth, 1966, that the first Mothman sighting occurred. And if there's ever a place on this earth where Mothman would live, that would be it. <laughs> well, Becky, let, let me stop you there because it, now there are people listening to this program who are familiar, and I admit I am one of those who is only familiar in the most general way with the Mothman prophecies, the Mothman incidents in West Virginia. We did go through West Virginia. The spookiest part of, of that part of that leg of our journey was that it took us four hours to go 100 miles because of the lousy traffic with road projects and weather. And so we got put behind our schedule for the day as a result. And uh, nevertheless, we got to see some of West Virginia, including Flatwoods. But when you say that you had this very spooky experience surrounding the Mothman legacy and the legend, what exactly happened to you that would make your hairs stand up on the back of your neck? Well, you know, you, you hear about the legend while you're there, and you learn about, you know, the, the sightings that happened, and, and you visit this TNT area. Um, and just being in that TNT area, it's a very uh, eerie area. Like I said, it's an it's a abandoned government compound where... Um, God knows what they were making, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's very, um, just spooky and eerie and, and kind of overgrown. There's old buildings, old abandoned concrete buildings there that you can go in and explore. And, and it's just, um, you know, you can imagine these people, seeing this creature in this place and it's it's it, i wouldn't say that there's anything that particularly happened it's just the sense that you get when you're there kind of the the feeling um that if there was something this definitely would be the place it happened <laughs> so you know becky um, i think sometimes the some of these places appear spooky once they've been abandoned when you've had some kind of life going on, whether it's a, a military establishment or a small town or a business or 
or a school or or anything where it was teeming with life and activity and then it is no more and just the buildings are left as you said kind of overgrown with grass and weeds anytime you see that i think that a lot of times that brings up a, a feeling of eeriness that at one point you know there there was a lot of energy here and now all you have is the shell, the remnants. And I think that kind of gives everybody a little bit of creepiness as they see those empty, abandoned buildings, don't you think? I would agree. I, like I said, there's not one particular thing that happened. It was just this this kind of eerie feeling. And, and yeah, I would agree with you. It was interesting. Becky, wrap Very is, interesting. It would be, and there's a general eeriness around that. I can well imagine. There's a lot of natural formations in West Virginia where legends would abound, I think. I've noticed the same thing in Utah. If you go to Zion National Park, there are many paranormal legends that stem from Native American culture and places where it is not recommended that you go after dark. So we love those sorts of stories on Manson Mitchell, that's for sure. We're talking with Becky Rep. She is the publisher of American Road Magazine. You should go out and buy it. Better yet, subscribe. It's a treat every time it comes out. And I want to make sure I have this correct because it shows up at our doorstep. There, It seems to me we get it quarterly. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Good way to... In that way, you're using your best material. You're not having to churn out something like news magazines. You have themes, and you establish them in advance, and there's a wonderful quality to it. You never know quite what to expect, but every issue is special. That's what I notice. American Road Magazine. We'll talk more about places on the American Road that you can visit, places where you can go and have an adventure. More with Becky Rep. As we continue Manson Mitchell on a Friday, you're listening to Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now... We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. 
I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We bring a unique talk radio blend your way every Friday and Saturday on 1150 KKNW. From pop culture to the paranormal, you get variety in a conversational style. Whether it's UFOs or ESP, angels or the afterlife, Bigfoot or your big dreams, everything is fair game on our show. Join the A-Team of Alternative Talk Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on the station that leads the pack without following the herd. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The search is over. You found the station that's not afraid to be different. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And stay tuned. Coming up next is an encore presentation of Manson Mitchell. Unfortunately, today our guest Becky Rep wasn't able to make it. She is feeling a little bit under the weather. So Gary and Suzanne decided to dig up an encore. And a good thing, we actually interviewed Becky back in October of 2013. So we'll bring to you the rest of that interview from Manson Mitchell. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest, Becky Rep, publisher of American Road Magazine. One of the issues that I remembered enjoying um, far more than some of the others was uh, one that you did about the touring around Wisconsin and Chicago and uh, I think Iowa, but I'm not sure, having to do with gangsters. And it it puts me in mind, Becky, of the fact that oftentimes American Road is around a theme. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about some of the themes that you've had over the years in American Road magazine. Well, yes, you mentioned the gangster issue. That that was one of our themes with the um, Babyface Nelson route that we created. And um, we had a Bonnie and Clyde route from Texas to Louisiana, where we traced different stops that they had made. Um, we also, just this last spring, had a pirate issue, a pirate-themed issue, and um, we traced a Blackbeard route um, in North Carolina. And um, just to hit on your uh, spooky autumn things um, a, a minute, um, there between um, Swan Quarter and Bath in North Carolina, um, there's a, a spot around Rose Bay where folks have heard, of, they, they've named this um, uh, thing Teaches Light. It's kind of a fiery orb that bounces around the region, like almost like a beach ball on fire. Um, nobody knows what the cause of this phenomenon is, but one of the stories is is that it's a uh, it's Blackbeard's head searching for the rest of its body. That was going to be um, my first guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yes, that pirates was one of our themes. Um, a really fun theme, really popular issue that uh, we just did, um, and. Uh, the spring before that, um, we had a fun and games issue where we did um, a pinball route, for example, um, from New Jersey to Baltimore and highlighted different locations that um, were significant um, with regard to pinball, the game of pinball. Um, and um, we did 10 Pin Alley in that um, issue as well. Um, it's uh, bowling different places, uh, bowling places um, uh, between Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Arlington, Texas, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we've done an um, extraterrestrial issue 
Um, and uh, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with U.S. Highway 70, um, and you get into the Area 51. <laughs> Better so, known as the Extraterrestrial Highway. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we we pick a theme for each issue, um, and then we, you know, proceed to fulfill the issue. Um, the, the summer issue that we just did was uh, had an electric theme, and we did, uh, we're back to talking about those early auto trails before roads had numbers. Um, there was a early auto trail called the Electric Highway, and we traced that um, from 4th, 5th to Missoula, Montana in the summer issue. And then we also did a uh, feature that highlighted 100 really cool neon signs across the country so um that was a lot of fun so yeah we we pick a theme and and we we run with it so each issue is going to have a different theme i like the neon theme issue and looking at all of that old signage and you know thank heaven that people do really preserve some of that old stuff i think also i don't know if it was an entire theme or if it was just in an issue but even old gas stations you've had some of them still working some of them that are more like tourist attractions but um this is americana in a way that you just can't get if you're going in and out of a fast food place and, you know, back on the interstate, this is like really getting down to how people used to live when they were filling it up at, at the at the old Texaco station, maybe in the in the 1930s or the 1940s. And, and you know, where people went for their gas and and how they tried to attract people in with their design or what it is they had going sometimes a barbecue right next door or an Indian teepee or a teapot, I mean, large inflated animals, just different things that you wouldn't even think you would see in the normal course of living. When you're just going between your house and your work and you're taking the interstate to, you know, grandma's house or your children's house, you don't, you wouldn't stop to think about all the different sites that there are in any particular region until you do get off the road, until you, you see what else is there to see. And, and that's really what the magazine is about is, you know, getting back to our history, which in some cases I'm glad to see being revitalized and in other cases just kind of disappearing on us. Yeah, it's always sad when when you see um, a you know piece of roadside architecture, or, um, you know, a, a landmark disappear. Um, fortunately, you know there are um, some historic highway associations out there today that are doing a lot of great work um, to help preserve the roadside Americana. Um, you know, we. We talk about Route 66. Each of the states has a Route 66 association, um, and they do a, a lot of great work. I know the Route 66 association in New Mexico um, worked to get um, grant money to do a neon sign restoration project along Route 66 in New Mexico. So there's a 
that's lot of beautiful. Good, good work going on. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Culturally so. important. And I think we need to give some props to our neighbors to the north. Believe it or not, I know, Becky, you're aware of this, but some of our listeners may not be. There is actually a Canadian Association for the Appreciation and Enjoyment of Route 66. And Canada isn't even on Route 66. That starts in I Chicago. I know. I know, yes. And, and Lori Fleming is one of the key people of that organization. So if anybody looks that up, say hey to Lori. She's great. <laughs> when we were in Chicago one time, I took Gary's photograph under the sign that said, you know, start of Route 66 here. There's actually a sign planted on a major street in downtown Chicago that is the actual start of Route 66. And I remember taking Gary's photo there. We'll have to dig that out. I would right like to, as a matter of fact. right? Yes, that's right. And, and the sign is there. And with the canyon walls of the skyscrapers in downtown Chicago, and with Chicago already being the windy city, as we all know, I was holding on to that sign for dear life. And my hat was blowing <laughs> off. There, it was amazing. I mean, that it just comes whipping through, and it was a rather chilly day anyway. And I thought, man, starting Route 66 here, there really is a sense of adventure. You've got to really climb in and hold on in every sense of the phrase. Oh yeah, I've I've almost been blown off a curb on in Chicago, so I know what you're. You know, saying. in talking. In talking about Route 66, and if I've got this all twisted around, you'll correct me, but I think I have it right. The classic understanding about traveling on Route 66, and this is something anyone can plan to do if you're willing to get to where it starts and go to where it ends. It's always been advised, from what I understand, if you want to experience Route 66 the way it was originally meant to be appreciated, you don't start in Santa Monica at the pier where it ends. You start in Chicago where it begins because it was built from the Midwest heading westward. Therefore, most of the really neat stuff to see is on the Chicago to Santa Monica route if you go the whole route the whole route 66 it's not that there aren't things on both sides of the road to see but if you start in chicago and you end up at any point along the way terminating in santa monica you're going to see the most and the best um well i don't know um you know we've driven it both ways and you kind of see something different each way and and actually i would Submit that you see something different on each Route 66 trip, no matter which way you're traveling it. It's a different. So is this trip the kind of every time? There you go. Okay, so is this is then is the kind of trip you can take where you do see something different. It's not that look left or look right. It's all there on the highway. Each trip becomes a trip unto itself, is what you're saying. I like that because then every time it's special. Well, it is, and part of that is, you know, the different stops that you make along the way and the people that you meet and the friends that you make along the highway. Um, that is really what the experience is all about. Um, it, 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 um, it's just a different trip every time, every time I've taken And I've traveled all the, or, and sections of Route 66 combined probably over 25 times at least. And each trip is different. And who would you say, because they need to get their proper respect, who in your mind, and we number you among them, you and Thomas both, 
But in addition, who are the champions today, the living champions of Route 66 and its preservation? There have to be a few people that come to mind. Well, you know, there's, the, like I mentioned before, there's the different associations for each state. Each state, the, the president of those and, and the boards of those associations and the volunteers of those that are working on those associations deserve a lot of credit for keeping the road alive and vital. And there are also, um, in some states, have worked um, to designate different sections of Route 66 as a national scenic byway, like in, in the state of Illinois has was successful in getting um, their section of road designated as a national, um, you know, scenic byway. So that made it eligible for different, um, you know, programs which help the road. There's a lot of people out there doing a lot of, of work. I mean, there's there's authors and artists out there that are, are you know, um, promoting Route 66. You know, Jerry McClanahan um, is one of them. He's a great artist. Um, he's written for American Road before. He's, um, you know, if you, I think it's in Tucumcari, if you see the Route 66 um, uh, monument that they have there, I believe Jerry was significant in, in or designed that monument. Um, well, we salute them for their efforts, Becky, and yours as well, yours and Thomas's. It's important for our understanding of ourselves as a nation, as a civilization there, and we're grateful that it shows up between the pages of American Road on a quarterly basis, too. It really is a beautiful periodical, and much success to you with that, and of course with Mock Turtle Press. Thank you for joining us today, Becky. It was great talking with you again. Well, thanks for having me. It was really great, and I just want to, one other thing I want to say is the people that are out there that are actually working at the businesses on Route 66 um, and keeping them alive and doing the day-to-day, you know, tasks that um, keep those businesses alive, they deserve a lot of credit. They're, they're what it's, the road's all about. Good. Thank you for being with us, Becky. We'll look forward to talking with you the next time and to our next issue of American Road Magazine. Thank you. And don't, friends don't let friends drive the interstate, so stay safe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a bumper sticker. Well, I want to talk about a couple of shows coming up today, coming up uh, following uh, Christine Upchurch, which is right after us, the brand-new Susan Harmon Show. She was our July summer replacement. You go, girl. And no football tomorrow, Gary. So we got a show, two hours for you. Lots of fun in store. Join us tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, weekend edition of Manson Mitchell. Until then, have a great start to your weekend, everybody.